Welcome to Out Off Topic. I think How's I should start that. Ne- I think I should start that next time. I feel like you've you done it every time for like the past two years. So I think I've done them all. Uh, maybe you've done a couple. I think in the beginning we were kind of trading back and forth, but then it just kind of became like you couldn't trust me to do it anymore, so you stopped and just did it. Okay. All I think right. I think I forgot the name of the show once or something. Maybe. Welcome maybe. to the Auto On Topic podcast. Damn it again! Yes, blew my chance. What's going on, Andrew? What's new with you? I got my uh, terrible name, BM Creations Piero, the uh, Jungle Edition or Off Road Edition. Your, your bowel movement toy. Yeah, it's got the little <laughs> uh, uh, jerry cans in the back, and an extra spare tire, and a roof rack, and a, a uh, snorkel. Yeah, it's pretty neat. It's got a lot of little extra stuff on it that the one that you the one you already had didn't have. So that's cool. There's so many 164th scale car names coming out now. I can't even keep up with them. That was crazy. Did you see the one that I put up yesterday for our Diecast Daily, the Toyota pickup? Uh, I didn't see that one. Oh, we'll go to yesterday's Diecast Daily. It's a Toyota pickup, like a Hilux, like the you know Middle is it East a tow truck style. Back? No, no. This is like a 90s Toyota pickup. Oh. I have the tow truck back one too, though, to put up later. <laughs> of um, course you I, do. I couldn't not get that one because that one's really cool, but that'll go on later. No, but yesterday's, it was some, I don't even remember the name of the manufacturer. It's like Jackie. Jackie, Weird. Jackie, Jackie Diecast. <laughs> so. And then for normal Hot Wheels, I happened to be at Walmart today, and in the back of the peg was the 959 off road one. Yeah, it seems to be, for some reason, the one that's left behind all the time. Well, the Camaro was there, but I don't like... The Camaro looks dumb to me, so I was like, I'm not paying $5 for that. The Camaro's cool because it's based on a real race car, um, but yeah, it's not the best. So Yeah, I don't care about it. It's like a 67 Camaro Baja rally car. Yeah, yeah. Whatever. whatever. Is what it is. Jinx. Diecast talks. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's what I've been doing. Excellent. No real car stuff at all, just toy car stuff, huh? No. What is it, winter there or something? Yeah, but it it's the last couple of days been close to spring, so. Getting close. We'll, uh, we'll get the there. itch. Getting the itch. So, uh, do you want to talk about the Starium a little bit? Oh, you know what? Before we get too far, if you're listening to this episode and you haven't listened to the last episode, you should go back and listen to it, the Rad for Sale, because that was a cool one. We had guests on, Lane and Warren from Drive Awesome. Yes, and also sure. Radwood and also Rad for Sale. And we went over what Rad for Sale is and some of the features they have. So, yep, I'm excited to see that launch uh, this coming week, the first. So, this I was looking at some of the pictures of the cars that are going to be on there. They're definitely, uh, definitely some good stuff. Mm-hmm. So, I'm excited. Yeah, we could talk about diecasts all night, but I don't think that's the way to go tonight. Um, I have. Uh, no, what did you do this, Darian? Yeah. <laughs> Um, I had bought a bunch of diecast stuff that all came at the same time. So it's like all of a sudden I had a an influx of things, but I'll put up pictures in the they're they're better visually than audio, right? Yeah. So and I also picked up a cool Starion brochure from back in the eighties. Uh, it's a Starion four wheel drive rally car sales brochure, which is weird because Yeah, it is weird. They were never going to sell one to the public. Um Naomi made a good point. I wonder if it was like for like an auto show. If they had like a maybe like but Tokyo Auto Show or something, and they would have had to sell like two hundred streetcars. Yeah, maybe because anyway. that's how many 
they had to sell homologation. Uh, homologation, yeah. yeah. Well, Mitsubishi got screwed by the whole Group B rules, so the car never really did much other than in some uh, not quite full WRC level stuff. Um, anyway, so speaking of Starions, uh, mine is still broken. That tracks. Yeah, well, there's more news about broken cars too after this. So the Starion we've been talking about, I think we discussed the fact that it won't rev past like 3,500. Yeah. So it still won't rev past 3,500. Um, I have now cleaned the injectors, which we talked about. Actually, did we talk about cleaning the injectors? I don't think we did. No. So I cleaned the injectors. I figured that was step number one. Everybody always says that Starion running issues are always caused by injector issues. So I researched cleaning injectors without actually sending them out to like have them professionally cleaned, mm-hmm. just to make sure they don't have like some gunk in them and make sure they're not you know leaking down. So there were a couple of cool ways to do it. Um, the simplest one I found was to take a uh, valve stem, like a brand new valve stem, and take the uh, the core out of it, and then the bottom of it is smaller than the base of the injector, but you can stretch it around a little bit and put the injector in the valve stem, and then you drill a little hole in the valve cap, and you can put like an aerosol can nozzle in that little hole, and then wire up the two connectors to a 9-volt battery, and you can spray through the injector while firing with the nine volt battery and you can spray a fuel system cleaner solvent through it and get any gunk out of it. Hmm. So I did that. They both came out nice and clean. They spray a nice, you know, what looks like a good pattern to my eyes. Um, And then I took the same valve stem and I put it on the other side of the injector. You fire the injector and then you fill it with fluid and then let it sit and see if it's actually leaking and not closing all the way. Just by letting it sit there. So obviously the solvent would leak out the bottom if it was leaking. So a leaky injector is, you know, easy to diagnose that way. I do not have a leaky injector. I do not have a dirty injector. They're both quite clean. Uh, The connectors are good. So I put it all together. So everything should be good. Fingers crossed. This thing's going to run like a brand new car. It uh, made no difference. So I started going down this rabbit hole of other things that I should be changing. Uh, until you wisely said, why don't we baseline this thing first? Do all yeah. of the basic stuff. Do a tune-up. So I said, yeah, it's probably a good idea. You know, I don't know when the last time a tune-up was done. Uh, looking at the parts, they're all in pretty good shape, so I don't think it was long. Like Even the spark plugs don't look too bad. Um, but I did plugs, wires, cap, rotor, and a coil. Um, did it all and said, fingers crossed, here we go. We're going to be good. And we weren't good. So... Still doing the same thing, so that's annoying. So the next step, um, I was going to just change a fuel filter, but I'm not sure the fuel filter would give me that same. It's too consistent to be like a clogged fuel filter, I think. Yeah. Um, so the fuel filter's on my brain, but I have to do the throttle position sensor reset, which is, I've discussed it on the podcast before. It's a like 25-step-long process of... Turn the car on, re- loosen the ISC motor, turn the car on for 15 seconds, not to run, just on, let it reset, you know, pin out two connectors, move the move the little 
little motor until the ohms read properly on the meter. Turn the car again to re cycle the whole thing through it, and it just winds up being a a long process to do it. But it resets everything, and maybe it's just not going to open throttle enough. Yeah, maybe. Maybe it could be something as simple as that. So that's the next step. I've been trying to get it done every night this week, but it's been real life has been in the way of fun car stuff. So I unfortunately have not had a chance to uh, to get out there and do it. But it is Thursday night, so I think that uh, this coming weekend I have no excuse not to because for the first time in a month I'm not working this weekend. So, that's good. So that's, that's, that's very good. So new news. Yeah. I moved 3,000 miles away yep. from Massachusetts, mm-hmm. and I could not escape the curse. What curse? Uh, I continuously have broken cars dumped in my lap. Okay. So I'm not sure what the plan is now, um, but about a month ago, there was a Volkswagen that was parked in my yard. Yeah. And uh, as of today, the person who parked the Volkswagen in my yard... <laughs> has pretty much decided that he does not want it or have time for it and uh, said, car's yours, do what you want. So now I have a broken Volkswagen in my yard to fix with. Yeah, but I want to make it run first. So I mean, I'm, I know I'm driving it and keeping it. It is actually, yeah. It's a oh, 99 or a 2000 two-door Golf five-speed two-liter. So... It's not a terrible car. The paint's typical Arizona paint. It's all faded off the top, but um, it cranks and won't start. It'll start on starting fluid and run, so I'm assuming it needs a fuel pump. It sounds like a fuel pump. Yeah. Yep. So we'll see what it is. It needs some other things, too. Um, At one point in its life, it was a stereo competition car, so the door panels are trashed, Um, so it needs new door panels and some other stuff in it. So we'll see what happens, but if I can make it run cheap, we'll... We'll get it out of here. Run and sell it, and that's about it. Oh yeah, I have no interest in keeping the car. No, just like make it run and don't even do the interior because somebody well just buy it to drive it. Yeah, well, no, I think that a set of door panels would go a very long way in this car because I don't know if you've seen a stereo competition car after the stereo is taken out of it. If you can get them at the pick and pull for like twenty dollars. Oh yeah, that's one hundred percent the plan. I'm not going to go crazy. Just make the car look presentable and, and clean it up and. And, uh, you know, I'll, I'll I'll throw them a couple bucks for leaving the car here. And I feel bad if I sell it and make money on it. So, but anyway, so, and he listens, so he'll hear the story. So, yes, I'll give you a couple bucks when I sell the car. But it's an I was actually going to quiz you about the, I was going to quiz you about the Toyota because it's been a year. Yep. Not yet. Next so, month of the year. <laughs> next month, which is three days. Well, it's like mid next month. Is it? Um, I think you should look into selling it. Yeah, that's probably next in the plan. So, Cause, so just sell it to you know, uh, obviously another a Toyota enthusiast that will get enjoyment finish out the of project. It. Yeah, yeah. Just get my money back out of it. I'm into it for you know probably three or four hundred bucks total. Yeah, I, I'm sure. I, I'm sure I could get that for it pretty easily. So yeah, I would I would just do that and move on for now. Yeah, yeah, I'm not too worried about it. I have so many other projects going on. It's not even not even a thought. So, and I have the crest that are coming back, and there's all kinds of stuff happening. So I don't I definitely don't need it right now. I need the space more than I need the car. 
And we're going to have a 68 Mustang here pretty quick, too, that needs some love. So all these things will be putting the Toyota further and further on the back burner, I think. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I need to cut and run. I have a hard time cutting and running, as anybody who listens to the show would know. It's not my my MO to sell a car. Mm -mm. It's my MO to hold on to them forever and have too many of them and not have space for them. So I, uh, I, I, I promised myself there will never be more than one and a half non-running cars here. Okay. So one being a project, the half being a car that might break while I'm working on the project, but I have to fix that broken car before I can go back to the project. That's my, that's my plan. So at this moment in time, there were two non-running cars here, but one of them wasn't mine, so it wasn't a big deal. We were just was parked in the driveway because the HOA was causing problems. So I think it just he's real busy. Oh, you right have now. an HOA? We don't have an HOA. No, where the car was parked was an HOA. Oh, 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 oh. Yeah, his house has an HOA and he had too many cars at his house. So it's registered. It's just not say you purposely Look yeah, I, I went with no HOA because I have cars and I didn't want to deal with it. That was the uh, that was the main goal was find a house with a garage, no HOA. Other than that, I didn't even care if I had a bedroom. <laughs> so I think Naomi did, but I didn't really have a concern about a bedroom in the house or not. So, but it's good. It's uh, Volkswagen will be a quick little get in and get it out project. I don't think I want it to sit there, but I have zero allegiance to the car, so it won't sit for a long time. I can tell you that. Good. So it's not it's not like the Toyota where I have like this deep dream in my head to get it done. It's just a car that's in the yard and I want to get it out of there. But it's a neat looking little car. It's got brand new suspension, coilovers all around with zero mm. miles on them. So nothing fancy, but somebody will want it. It has the same wheels my old GTI did, the 17-inch thin five spokes. Yeah. So it's not a bad looking car. It's just it's in the driveway and we need to make something happen with it. So... Hopefully, it'll be a quick, easy one. I think the fuel pump in those is fairly easy, but I don't remember. Yeah, if I remember, I feel it's like... It's external, I think, right? Like an in-tank. No, it's in-tank. It's... Um, okay. Oh, it's an access panel below the rear seat. Yeah, but it's yeah. all... And it's all plastic, too. I feel like that's what happened, is they were they were all plastic, and after a while, they just, like, melted or died. And it's not like these things are rusty out here because it's Arizona, so. No, but you can probably get a pump from FCP Euro for, like, super cheap or. Yep, more than likely. Speaking of FCP Euro, I have a part here that I ordered. Yeah. But the wrong part came in, and they were supposed to send me a return slip, and they haven't done that yet. Mm, I'll, have to check con- I'll have to contact them. It was like a $100 part they sent me by accident because I ordered a the diesel filter for the Jetta, oh, right. they, they sent me a timing chain tensioner for a Mercedes-Benz V8. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Doesn't do me any good just sitting here. So, yeah, but that, that that should be a quick fix, I think. And if not, whatever, I'll sell it for scrap price and get it out of here. Yeah. You know, whatever. It is what it is. So, um, event news. There is an event happening here in Arizona next week, March 7th oh, yeah. at noontime. Um. The Arizona Classic Japanese Car Club is doing their event at South Mountain. So if you're in Arizona and have a vintage Japanese car, you should definitely check that out. Uh, I did not make the last one, but the pictures looked pretty cool. So I'm excited to make it to this one with at least one car. I'll be there in the Colts. I'm not sure if 
Naomi's coming or somebody else might come and drive the Sapporo too, but they'll be there with at least one car. Um, there's some people coming from pretty far away, so it should be a should be a pretty good take of all vintage Japanese stuff. So I'm, I'm stoked on that one. So that's March 7th at noontime at the South Mountain parking lot at the base, not up the hill. We don't want to make these people drive their vintage Japanese cars up the mountain. Might not work out so well. Plus, there's less parking up there mm. during the day because people enjoy the mountain during the day. So, yeah, but that's that's Is the that only the place event happening. Took me? Yes, on our romantic drive to the, the lookout of Phoenix. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. South <laughs> took Mountain. Me to your neck and spot. Yeah, South Mountain is the road we drove to the top of. Yeah, with the antennas, the uh, like satellite antennas at the roof, at the roof at the peak. Yeah. Yeah. At South Mountain. So at the ba- at the base parking lot of South Mountain is where the show is going to be. So that's on March 7th. Um, I don't have any other car updates because I haven't done anything else because work and life. Um, dead air silence. What do you got else to talk about tonight, Andrew? Is the Volkswagen leaking oil? Or it smells like it I is? Don't, I don't know what's going on with the Volkswagen. <laughs> Sometimes I park the car and it smells like there's oil burning directly on the exhaust manifold. And sometimes it smells fine and the level seems okay. So hmm. my assumption is oil was spilled possibly when they were working on it. And I've only driven yeah, yeah, 100 so. miles. So maybe it just uh, has been burning off and, and now it's gone. But not driving that much. I don't go very far with it. So I just I had to go to the dentist the other day and I pulled in the dentist parking lot and I backed into a parking spot. And had the windows down. And when I, before I put the windows up, all I smelled was just burning oil. So it's not a pleasant smell, obviously. It doesn't smell like diesel exhaust. It smells like actual burning oil. So I don't know. We'll figure yeah, it out. That's it's, weird. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not thrilled. It's it's annoying me, but the way I kind of look at it is, they just did all this work to the car. It's their responsibility to make sure they put oil in it, which I checked it anyway. Yeah. But if it blows up right now because of, you know, some massive oil leak, then, I mean, that's on them, right? I don't technically yeah. know them for that. If, if, the guy, if I get the car back from them and it blows up the next day, that's on them. <laughs> I don't want to have to deal with that. So I feel ill-prepared for this episode, Andrew. I feel like I had stuff to talk about, and then I've been running around from work and then running around after work and then getting on the podcast, and I don't have my notes here. And I had a bunch of them. I thought you were you were telling me something about the Mecham auctions. Yeah, I don't have the details on that yet. So I can't talk about that okay. yet. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Where uh, Mecham auctions are coming here right. in mid-March, and hopefully I'll have some involvement in it. But I, I don't I don't have the final the final word on that to talk about it yet. So okay. that that should be coming pretty soon. Um just not Stay tuned. Stay tuned. So. All right. Not a lot of stuff going on in the car. Yeah, right I know. No. Um, I mean, back to scale project cars. I did buy a new model kit. That's weird. Um, just because yeah, you said you weren't know, going to just, anymore. If only yeah, you had a selection. If only you had a selection of like 100 <laughs> kits behind where you record. I know. Basement. And then I bought another Subaru rally car <laughs> to add to the stack of Subaru rally cars. Yeah. How, how does one exist that you don't have? 
Uh, yeah, it's a um, I don't know, it's some like privateer one from like Rally Portugal in like '97. Okay, it's a GC, and it had like a simple paint scheme, and I was like, maybe that's a good one to get back into. Yeah, maybe because it should be simple. Maybe, maybe. Speaking of Subaru Rally cars, um, I've been yeah. going through my collection of diecasts and model cars. I think I spoke of that real quick earlier, um, and I've been getting putting them all in like a spreadsheet and figuring out what I have and going on eBay and finding like the lowest sold value and marking them for that value. So that if I sell them, I kind of know where I go. Uh, and I found, I don't know if you remember when I lived in my apartment 20 years ago, 15 years ago, um, there was a, on top of the entertainment center, there was a Suru WRC car transformer. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it was actually called McRae car. Which I did not realize until I pulled it back out of a deep storage box. Um, so I looked it up, and it's pretty rare. Uh, and they call them a gray car. It's worth like a good little chunk of change. And I was like, oh, cool. I don't need this. I'm going to put this on eBay. First, I need to take pictures of this thing. Um, I will tell you that I realized that I'm no longer a child. As much as I want to be a child forever, I can't transform a transformer anymore. Oh, you can't get it? I can't make it a robot or a car. It's just kind of this jumbled pile of parts on my desk. Oh, and weird. I spent way too long trying to make it one or the other. I was like, I, I need to make it a Transformer and take a picture of it and make it a car and take a picture of it and put it on eBay. But apparently Transformers are for children because I can no longer make a Transformer do anything. I can transform it into what looks like a crashed rally car on my desk. I feel like, yeah, I think our buddy Keith had the same one. because he had Yeah, WRX, I think so. Yeah. My, which was my old WRX. It was his. And he, I feel like he had it set up as a transformer, and then at one point he was like, "Yeah, I went to put it back as a car, and I couldn't figure it out." It's quite difficult. It's. I, I feel like they definitely made them for children to work, and there's some kind of trick that adults can't figure out. So I'll have to have a child fix it for me, so I can take pictures of it and sell it. Although at that point, I should probably give it to a child. That would be rude, old man me. Here, fix this. I need to make money. That's child labor at that point. Yeah. I think I can't do that. <laughs> But no, it was uh, it was definitely a a shocking moment in time to realize that I could not transform a transformer into either a robot or a car. That was weird. It was, it was a sad moment in life to realize that I'm not old and can't do that kind of stuff. So, kind of like when they Ferrari announced this week that they're going back to uh, Le Mans for the factory team. Yeah. Did you read that? So no, I just heard from what you told me. Okay, so Ferrari's going back to Le Mans as a factory team for the first time in forty years. And in my brain, I was like, man, 40 years without a Lamar effort. That was, they haven't done it since like, you know, the Ford versus Ferrari days. <laughs> and then something in my brain was like, wait a second, 40 years ago is 1981. That was the year you were born. Oh, <laughs> wonder you can't play with robots anymore. Yeah. So the last time so, they were there, you know, Enzo was alive. <laughs> yeah, because he was alive in the 90s, right? I think he died in like 89, 88 or 89. I know he was around for the... Um, at forty. Yep. So that's, that's that was the last car. The I think that, I think so, that was the last car. Well, I know that they're they're actually looking to they're building a whole new car to return to Le Mans with. So I'm not sure if it's going to be a street based car, or like a prototype style car. I bet it's going to be a prototype car. If I were to guess, it's going to be like the the Porsche or the Toyota. It'll probably be a hybrid. Well, they're calling it Ferrari's calling it the Le Mans Hypercar Program. Or I guess program because yeah, but I doubt it. it's Lama hypercar program. The uh, 
Yeah, but I I doubt it's going to be like the um like the Corvette and stuff and the and the Ritzy competition for Yeah, I'm not sure because they had they had that Glickenhaus car a couple of years ago. Um which I think was the the Scudiera they called it. And that was kind of it, it was it wasn't a prototype car, but it also wasn't a street-based car. So, I'm mm-hmm. not sure exactly what they're going to do. Okay. Uh, I just pulled up an article up real quick because I wasn't quite sure. Uh, Ferrari's yet unnamed hypercar will be the for- first sports car prototype by the manufacturer since the 333 SP. So, that was the uh, prototype style race car in the 90s. There was a Momo sponsored one, I'm sure you remember. It was an open cockpit. Oh, yeah. Big wing open on the back. Cockpit. Yep. Yep. So, they're saying it's the first sports car prototype since that. So that means I guess it's going to be a uh, a prototype style car, which is funny because I thought that car ran Le Mans, but I guess it didn't run Le Mans as a Ferrari backed race car. So it ran Le Mans just in privateer teams. So it, that's why I was kind of like when they said Ferrari is returning to Le Mans for the first time in forty years, my brain was thinking back to like watching Le Mans races and seeing Ferraris. But the the thing is that Ferrari themselves never championed a team in. Yeah, um, Lama. It was always Ferraris run by privateer teams. So, speaking of which, I had an interesting conversation today about privateer teams versus factory teams. Um, I think I actually started on the Redwood group on Facebook. Yeah, because somebody put a picture of a Toyota race car up, and it had the iconic Toyota livery of the red, orange, and yellow, kind of like our Auto Off Topic logo. Um, and they yeah. were asking, they were asking about why there's not like an iconic American car livery. Like you have, you know, a Mazda iconic livery and you have a Toyota iconic livery and you have, you know, Honda race cars are always white and that's it. There was, there was always like this. It was like an international car that raced internationally. No, like there was the, each manufacturer has their own like iconic livery. Like there's red, white, and blue Datsuns. There's yellow, orange. What's up? Uh, Good wrench. No, but it does. That doesn't mean Chevy race car. That was just good wrench. You don't. It you don't look, Chevy race car. But you don't look at that and say you, you wouldn't paint that livery, or like or like uh, you wouldn't have like a Camaro and put like a silver, red, yeah, and black. Sure you, sure, you could. I think it's less. It's less obvious though than like a Toyota logo, or a Toyota Toyota colors. No, I don't think so at all. Really, I think you could. I saw somebody actually do one up uh, recently. It was a picture of uh, of the C7, but it technically it's a render, but because it, it was in Gran Turismo Vision or whatever the current Gran Turismo game is, somebody mm-hmm. designed the C7R with Dale Earnhardt's livery from the, his Daytona win, and it looked awesome on it. But see, I, I equate that with Dale Earnhardt. I don't equate that with Chevrolet. I know that Goodrich is a GM thing. But it's not like I look at that and I say that's a Chevrolet race car. I look at that and say that's a Dale Earnhardt race car. Well, I would say then, even just the the Corvettes, the yellow Corvettes, that's an iconic. They've been using that yellow for twenty years, okay. since two thousand. Yeah, yellow with the black back is is, is definitely that's a pretty color. iconic now. Okay, but now that's Corvette. That's not Chevy. You wouldn't see a yellow Chevy pickup and say, well, that thing is painted like a Corvette race car. Whereas if you saw a Toyota pickup with the orange, red, and yellow stripes, you'd be like, oh, that's done up like a Toyota race car. 
Oh, that's, that's their the, sponsor. That's their sponsorship, though. Well, that's where it, that's where this whole discussion went to was, you know, American cars into the sixties and seventies when these Japanese car icon, uh, liveries became iconic had already been raced by so many privateer teams that there was no need for no. a manufacturer's color combination because they all took their paint schemes in the early days when it was country colors. You know, British racing green, French racing blue, Italian racing red. You know, American race cars were white. German race cars were silver. That's just how it was. So there was not like, there wasn't like a design somewhere that became Chevrolet's race car design and every Chevy race car through every series had that same paint scheme. And that's where we are with the Toyotas. The red, yellow, and orange on the Toyotas were done on SCCA sports cars. They were done on open wheel cars overseas. They were done on trucks, like desert trucks. You would see that on every single Toyota racing vehicle. It didn't matter what series it raced in. Yamaha motorcycles, the same thing. They had the yellow motorcycle with the black and white square pattern down the side of it. So it didn't matter what race series it was. It didn't matter if it was a, you know, a GP 250 two stroke or a dirt bike. They all had that same yellow and black. And it was just, it was an interesting conversation because we were talking about the fact that sure, American race cars, American cars don't have that same kind of brand recognition throughout the entire thing. Like if you had a Chevy race truck, there's no color that also ran as a Chevy NASCAR that also ran as a Chevy Lamar car that also ran as a, you know, Chevy. Well, car. I would. Yeah, I guess American manufacturers didn't have like racing colors. Right. Because they weren't the cars weren't sponsored. The, the Chevy race car wasn't sponsored by Chevy. You know what I mean? Whereas the Toyota race car, the main sponsorship throughout the 70s and 80s, they it wasn't like a Toyota race car sponsored by Shell. It was a Toyota race car sponsored by Toyota. Sure, there were other privateer teams, but Toyota had their own factory-backed race cars that all used the same paint scheme. Yeah. See, I'm also thinking of like Sunoco would be an iconic American. And it is, but it was used on Camaros, Camaros. but no other GM cars. It was used oh, yeah. on like Lola's and McLaren's, but it was not used in any other like uh, I guess okay. Cor- Corvettes. There was Corvette race cars that had it too, but it wasn't. It's not synonymous with Chevrolet. It's not like Chevrolet was like this is our racing scheme. This is what we're going to brand all of our sports cars with. Whereas Toyota did that. You know, they added these orange, yellow, and red patterns to all of their, you know, all of their race cars and all the series, and then they'd sell you know a T-shirt with the colors on it at the dealerships, you know, because it all tied together. You know, all the Japanese manufacturers kind of had that, but they had that because they came in as like the little guy that nobody was racing. Nobody would have picked a Toyota as a privateer team. So they had to come in and prove themselves. So they had their own race teams and their own, you know, similarity or with each other. So they all kind of everything tied in together. So there, there are definitely iconic American race car liveries. You have, you know, a Budweiser car is a very American race car. And Miss Budweiser was the offshore power boat. And they all had the same, you know, Budweiser paint scheme. Well, then you have Marlboro was just on everything. That was, that was worldwide. That was just, you know, tobacco money is good. Oh man. Now I'm trying, I'm really trying to think because I, it's not, yeah, no, well, if, if you had to give manufacturer it, had like a motorsports arm, if you had to give, unless like AMX did, Sure, and they had red, white, and blue across everything. But yeah. AMX is not one of the big three anymore. They're gone. <laughs> they, uh, they had, they had the same red, white, and blue and drag racing and sports cars. But, and that was AMC, not AMX. Uh, AMX is the model. Okay. 
Um, but what American cars did was they had an iconic livery across all American cars. You could say that American cars started the dual racing stripes. You know, that's an American car thing. I've seen it on foreign cars, but it started in the 50s on Cunningham's. And then it became yeah. super successful in the 60s on Cobras. And then, you know, Corvette started the hash marks. So that was a very American No, that goes thing. back further than Corvettes. That Does it go back before Corvettes? That just goes back to early endurance racing. But it was sports was American because, cars, right? No, that was just endurance racing in general because you'd have multiple cars painted in the same manufacturer colors. So to tell the difference quickly, if you couldn't see the numbers, you threw red, black, white hash marks on the on the fenders. I feel Corvette kind of popularized it probably in the sixties though. No, I think it it became you're thinking of it because it became a thing in the nineties with the Grand Sport. No, I know the Grand Sport had it, but I know they had it in the, the Cobra's Adam. Yeah, I guess they did. Anyway, yeah. so what what I was saying is that the American cars kind of had their own their own overall style versus having an individual one per manufacturer. So that's where the conversation went. I just thought it was an interesting point that the Japanese cars all have something you could hearken back to an iconic livery with that car. Whereas the American cars are kind of like, you could make a good wrench car. You're right. Or you could make a tide car. <laughs> they're not as, they're not as, as iconic. And the only one I could think of that came out a little bit was Ford Motorsport for a while. I used like the three tone blues, but it didn't carry beyond a few years. Like the Mustang, yeah. Imsa, the Mustang Imsa cars and a couple other series would have had that same three tone blue, but it didn't go beyond, you know, a five or 10 year span. No, but there, well, yeah, there's a three tone blue, but the Ford, like the stripe blue that they used on like the off road trucks. They were right, red, white, and blue. No, but they had like um, multiple stripe blue. Like it was on like the the uh, transit van thing they had with the V twelve. Yeah, that's the same one I'm talking about. It went from like seventy five to eighty five. The the Ford yeah. Motorsport, the Ford Motorsport logo. That's what it was. The if you look at the Motorsport logo, the bottom half of the logo was gradient blue, and it went from a dark blue in the bottom to a light blue at the top. So, yeah. So I guess the problem is there wasn't like. Uh, I don't know, a GM performance color scheme, I guess. Right. That's what I'm saying. You know, whereas whether you had a Toyota that was built in 1977 to run IMSA or a Toyota that was built in 2007 to run Baja, it has that same, you know, off-white base with red, yellow, and orange stripes. Yeah, like you had rally art colors. Uh, But then also you could have BMW N Sport colors. Yeah, and again, that's a foreign manufacturer. We're talking. We're trying to talk. Like, we're trying to think of an American manufacturer. Well, it's not just Japanese. No, it started with a conversation about Japanese, and then we we kind of tore it off into we had some some other foreign car colors, but we couldn't come up with anything standard for an American car other than short periods of time, like that Ford Motorsport color. So anyway, it was an interesting conversation that I uh, hope to think about it. I guess and see if you can think of any more. Race car liveries are awesome. I love thinking about different ones. Like, you know, I love the Advan livery, but the Advan livery is not one manufacturer. It's across all kinds of things. So, yeah, I like like Advan Falcon, the the teal and blue Falcon. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, yeah, that that's a good one. That's a classic one. 
I, for those who can't see us, which is everybody listening, I just held up a Hot Wheels car in a package that is on my desk, which is the Falcon livery on an A86. Man, I really can't. Yeah, see, it's Man, there is just broke my brain, I, right? And that's that's what all day long I've been I've been trying to think of you know an iconic American race car livery, and it just that was a manufacturer based livery that went across all forms of motorsport, and I really didn't come up with one uh, again. There was uh, Dodge had their direct connection program in the 80s, and that had an orange, yellow, and red on a black base car, and that went across every form of motorsport, but it was only for a few years, so it, I, I wouldn't call it iconic. You know, I just was a Ford had motorsport. GM never really had anything. They always had privateers doing their things like, you know, Nikki or Yanko or stuff. There was never like a a, a GM performance arm that I can think of. Nothing. Yeah. You know, Chrysler now had SRT, which has the red two red hash marks, but to me that's not iconic. That's just in the past probably decade. And I don't okay. like modern Chrysler Russell cars, so I don't even think yeah. they're not using actual motorsports. <laughs> I can think of like Hugger Iron Stripes or something, but sure. But that goes back to the regular generic American Twin stripe design, you know, two stripes out of the middle of the car. That's how you define a sports car in America. Take your normal yeah, ass car and put two stripes out of the middle of it. Now it's a race car. Yeah, or even a stripe package on like the rear. Because like, is that more of a Chrysler thing? Did Chevy ever do that? What's that? Like the like a, the stripe around the back of the bumble, the bumblebee stripe around the back of an old yeah. Mopar? No, GM did it around the nose. Like Camaros had the stripe around the nose. Hmm. Um, uh, Baldwin Motion did G- GM cars with the stripe around the back, but that was only Baldwin Motion. It wasn't a thing. Yeah. Anyway, food for thought. Think about it. See if you can think of one. We'll bring it up next time. I can't yeah. think of one. So. I can't either. Cannot think of it. Anyway. Cool. All right. Well, we've uh, talked to everybody's ear off enough for this week, I think. All right. Sounds good. Where can they find you? Um, huddled in the corner trying to think of American race cars. Yeah, I guess so. Oh, 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 oh uh, Instagram. Uh, TSISS350. Cool. As always, you can follow us, Auto Off Topic, on Facebook, Auto Off Topic on Instagram. Follow me on Instagram, Raced in Anger. Uh, I haven't posted much new stuff, but uh, I don't know. We'll get there again. Go through the archives. You get plenty of stuff. Yeah, I just, uh, real quick, I had my, I did send out my zoom lens to be fixed. Coincidentally, I had to send it to Arizona to be fixed because that's the only place that repairs them now. Is it a big enough zoom that you can stand on your porch and take pictures of race cars in warm weather somewhere? Hopefully. Hopefully. <laughs> it uh, was a little beat up, but it's, uh, it was out of the service range for Canon to fix. It's, there's like, it's like the first version and there's like three versions now of the zoom lens and they won't touch it now so hmm. i had to go to a third party which is interesting but anyways keep cars analog and names are right.